Hello, this is Ruslan Malinovsky. Hello, this is Roman Yeremchuk. Hello, I'm Sergey Rebro. And you're listening to Ukraine Plus Football. He's heading east, he's heading east, he's heading football's heading east, he's heading east, he's heading east, he's heading football's heading east, he's heading east, he's heading east, he's heading football's heading east. Hello, welcome to Ukraine Plus Football, the home of the number one English language podcast on Ukraine's football. Today, the international window has come to an end for Ukraine. It's been a fantastic week and we're going to take some time now to look back at everything that's gone on over these last three games. Of course, I'm Adam from Ukrafort24. Your regular host. Now, our episode with Russ has gone back into the distant past and we're back into the normal swing of things. I've got my two wonderful co-hosts with me today, joining me live from Kiev. Ray, how are you doing, mate? I'm enjoying myself, Adam, and uh, I've been looking forward to this podcast since our very last edition. So we have a topic to discuss today and it's going to be hot. It's, it's been a while, mate. It really has. You're not missing the UPL at all? I am. It's our weekly entertainment, and thank God it's coming back. Certainly is. Certainly is. And now, Mr. Professional, got to say, checking in live from Prague Airport, Mr. Zoria London's Andrew, mate. How you been coping this week? You've been whizzing around. I hope you're doing well. Oh, good. Thanks, Adam. Yeah, it's the end of the international break. I'm sat, currently sat in Vaclav Havel Airport, and there's like nobody here got to wear these respirator masks around and my flight is very late tonight so going to be getting back to cave at like two three in the morning looking forward to it not but i'm looking forward to this podcast more <laughs> that's great to hear. that's great to hear. we got lots to talk about and we're really lucky uh our good friend Irina from Tribuna.com has agreed to join us today. Irina, I hope you've had an enjoyable international break as well. Are you as excited as Ray for the return of the UPL this weekend? Hello, Adam. Hello, guys. I'm so happy to hear and see you again. I'm not happy as Ray because <laughs> I like this international break and these uh, national games very much. So I have a little bit, you know, sorry that they have finished. <laughs> and now we have to wait all month for the next games. But uh, I expect also very good games in the Champions League. So excited for this. Definitely so. Now, of course, it's been a unique international week, this one. It's been something special. Uh, somebody on the podcast went viral over the weekend, didn't they, uh, Mr. Zoria Londons? What actually went on there at like one, two o'clock on Sunday morning in some press room at Olympijski? Well, it's been a tough week for new Ukraine manager Alexander Petrokov to get used to my accent and understand anything that I'm talking about. After the game against France, I posited him a question that wasn't the best translated on my end from English into Ukrainian and in general he just didn't understand what the hell I was saying. And someone saw it on YouTube, turned it into a TikTok, and 50,000 views later, yeah, turned into a bit of a meme. Can't lie, unique, and I'll take it in my stride, but a week of firsts of many 
for not just me, but uh, Petrakov and the national team too. Definitely so. And now, I mean, getting on to you know the more serious business of today, it has been uh, Petrakov's first week in charge with the squad. Have you been impressed by how he's handled himself? What sort of changes have you seen to the routine compared to the Shevchenko era? In terms of the way they play on the pitch, not too much dissimilar. They're going for three at the back, which we saw towards the end of Shevchenko's reign in the opening matches of the World Cup qualifiers and then in a few games during the Euros. Ukraine's playing on the back foot a bit, trying to play on the counter as is textbook Petrakov, how he won the Under-20 World Cup back in 2019. Some people are saying it's a bit of a regression. They're not enjoying watching this kind of football. Maybe the results share that feeling, but if you look at the performances in chunks, Ukraine did play well in all three of those matches, but just not for the full 90 minutes, sadly. And it's just at the death where that, that concentration especially fell apart. In terms of just training techniques and all that kind of stuff, you only see the opening 15 minutes or so of all the training sessions. And I saw two of them uh, in Kiev for France and then in Czech Republic. Is there anything that I could say is very much away from the Shevchenko era? Yeah, he's got some different fitness coaches. And during the first 15 minutes, you don't see much of the team's tactics or anything like that. They just might be doing a few different stretches Petrikov joining in with the running but other than that not too much I think it's still going to take a bit of time before they fully get used to him in the role but not the worst start as in there were no losses so you can't complain too much (laughs) but it's just a lot is riding on October which I'm sure we'll cover later on in the show definitely well but I'm Irina I I know you didn't travel to Czech Republic but you were in all the press conferences at the game on Saturday. Uh, what were your first impressions of Petra Kraft as sort of senior national team manager? Were you impressed with how he handled himself? Did you feel there was a change in how the press conferences were handled? Oh, wow, so many questions. I know. <laughs> we're going to get our information from you tonight. You know, just like me on the press conference of Petra Kraft, like I have five, ten questions for you. Let's start it. What was the first question? <laughs> Have you been impressed by him? Well, to be honestly, I'm in love with this man. <laughs> he is so, how, how to say it? You know, he's so open. I'm not saying he's ideal or perfect. No. And yesterday's press conference, uh, Andrew was also on this. And so how uh, his reaction was, you know, aggressive for the question, for the simple question for a tactic uh, for the three defenders. But I like that he is very, tells us what he think, what he really think. And it's something new because Shevchenko, uh, Andrei Nikolaevich was very diplomatic. He was really diplomatic. And he never say uh, some critical things or things that can, um, can be a lineups for the media. But Petrakov's press conference, every answer, it's a lineup, it's for the news, it's separate news. And I like this because people like when the, when the coaches, when the football players uh, speak with them on the same language, on the same level. And uh, they are like, a, you know, like a person who you know. <laughs> Unfortunately, I wasn't uh, in Kazakhstan or uh, Czech Republic. 
Uh, I visit only games against France in Kyiv, but I visit, it seems, uh, all his press conference before mm. pre-match conference, press conference and the after the game. And I really like the style, how he communicates with the press. Okay, sometimes it's like too much, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> But in general, uh, it's really something like a fresh air for, for the media, for the press. And, and it's, I'm, I hope uh, he will continue to be such, uh, such as he, he is. I mean, all credit to him, definitely. I felt, and I mean, I probably only really read Andrew as he's... No offence, Andrew, you're the one who writes in English. So that's, that's why. Well, I've, I've certainly noticed the change in your tone towards him over, over the week from sort of before these press conferences to where we were after, after the game last night. And in aligned with what Irina's just said there about his openness. And you, I think you reported he referred to you by your first name within, you know, within a week of it, which, you know, a lot of credit to, to him for that. Uh, but hey, let's get on to the, you know, the main business, what's what's actually gone on. And as Irina mentioned there, of course, the, the boys went out to Kazakhstan. Seems like a lifetime ago now, just a little over a week for a really important fixture out there, which we'll kind of a, we were saying was a, you know, a must win. Ray, how did it go, mate? Yeah, I have to I have to really work hard in my memory right now to <laughs> tell you what happened out back there. But yeah, two goals from Valiulin, who has now uh, received a positive result on a doping test. So uh, he will be probably out of sight for some time. I don't know how it's going to result for us. Uh, a wise comment I saw the other day that, uh, you, you know, uh, why would they uh, go after Kazakhstan as they are not Ukraine and Ukraine is not Switzerland, you know? <laughs> However, we know that uh, some of these um, guys from uh, UEFA who are responsible for uh, medical choices are probably in debt to us since last year. So we'll see. Anyway, uh, Petrakov said we shouldn't be concentrating on that as we drew with Kazakhstan to two in the very last minute. Sikhan's debut goal Um and that was an euphoria. That was that was an euphoria for me personally because I knew how we played 17 years ago, yeah, uh, against Kazakhstan, and we scored in the very last minute. We played without Shevchenko in the World Cup qualifiers in 2004, and now it all fell into places until Valiulin's well, second goal. Crucial mistakes by Karavai, who was replaced in later matches, and the aftermath of the match led us or should I say brought us one of the memorable quotes from Petrakov which uh, would probably be acceptable in a Netflix episode or an Amazon documentary which was French eat frogs we don't that's it and that's how we went on over to Kiev and the match with champions of the world yeah and what a match it was it really was I was a cracking atmosphere there on Saturday night, late on Saturday night. Was it quarter to 10 when we got started? Way past my bedtime. I, I have no idea what went on. I was tucked up in bed. Uh, Irina, as you said, you, you caught that game. I mean, obviously, 1-1 against the world champions, same as what went on in Paris. Were you happy with the result? Or should Ukraine have won that game? Well, to be honest, I'm not very happy for this result for 100 percent 
I don't remember, maybe if it was Andrew, we spoke after this game and uh, look, on the paper, it looks like Ukraine play against world champion and uh, draw 1-1, it's like a not bad result at home. But uh, when I saw the game from the stadium, it wasn't look like, you know, the France were the best team in the world. Even the players like Paul Pogba after the recently said that we are not more the best team in the world and if we are not uh, so the t-shirts of France it looked like it's such not a top team it's just a team that we could play against so maybe if wouldn't uh, missed that not very beautiful this like word goal in Piatov's nets I would be more happy with the win <laughs> 1-0 and I think it it was possible to do that Maybe we should be more aggressive, I don't know, more uh, you know, serious or more believe in our, in our strengths that we could do that because atmosphere was top, a lot of fans and the, uh, the players was in a, in a good shape. It looked like they were playing, really enjoy the game and the coaches, the coach think would be very happy to win this game. It would be like fantastic start of uh, his career in the team. And maybe some little, little moments in little moments, we missed something uh, to win. But anyway, I'm happy we're not lose and not <laughs> missed a goal in the last in the last 20 seconds of this game. Yeah, well, after Kazakhstan, that was the least we could hope for, wasn't it? It really was. But well, I mean, what a, it was a cracking game, cracking performance. So, so you know, really enjoyable to watch at home. Sorry, Adam, just to add a bit of, about this goal, I think this clumsy goal was our... Uh, sort of a, a fate retort uh, for the Swedish Swedish goal, Dovbeck's goal in the very in the very end. I think it was as clumsy as you could get and you would think like where did it come from? And then you recall uh, the, how lucky we were in the Euros. I thought you were going to mention the Sidachuk goal in the in the first game. But oh you mean Kim Pemba's goal. <laughs> Yeah, it was, it was, wasn't it? Uh, they were all bouncing around all over the place. But after those two goals the Kazakhs got, Ukraine deserves a fair few more look bounces of the ball over the next few months. Andrew, you enjoyed the atmosphere? Was it great to be back in a buzzing Olympiski after so, so many games with fans being restricted at best? Yeah, I thought the atmosphere was really good. Um, 55,000 or something around that number in the Olympiski for like the first time in, I don't know, over a year. Before the game, I was on Football Hub live stream, which cut out like halfway through because of poor signal because there were so many people. But I was talking about how Ukraine every year over the past few years have had one sort of showcase game where they get a great result. And that sort of sets them off for, you know, a positive end to the year. Sadly, I don't think it's going to happen this time because... France were that marquee side. So in the year before, it was Spain 1-0. Then the year before that was obviously Portugal 2-1. Maybe it will end up being Bosnia this time round in November when Ukraine need like a last-minute winner or something and then they smash it. <laughs> Who knows? But other than obviously conceding the goal, on the whole, the, the performance was very positive. As Zinan has already said, France didn't look like world champions. And that's what a lot of the media in France were saying, that they're below their best. I think they hadn't won their past four or five games mm -hmm. prior to that. It's been on a record now going for the draws in the world, it seems. 
but I think it's definitely something to build on in there. Petrakov was just so animated on the touchline. Like he was showing his blazer. He opened his blazer at one point and was like really pointing at it loads. And he just looked like he was in the moment with the team, very much living it through with them. And you sort of want that in a manager. I know that Shevchenko was a bit more composed, a bit more professional, a bit more cool. But on the whole, it sort of worked. Sadly, towards the end, obviously, I think Petrikov was like, right, it's time to shut up shop. It's better to draw one all than actually end up losing this game. Maybe they could have gone for something a bit more. And he was like really enjoying himself with Sakan, who's basically like, it was basically like acting like a father figure to him when he came on. And the same during the Czech Republic game, um, some of his other under-20 players. And in general, I think it's very positive that he's incorporated so many of these under-20 World Cup winners into his first ever squad. And we're seeing that a lot of them are playing for their team. Some aren't at all. But overall, I think that's what he wants to instill in the team. Time will tell next month whether he'll pick the same players or not, who some people may be getting the boot for unconvincing displays. But in general, yeah, great atmosphere at the Olympiski and hopefully Lviv will match up to that against Bosnia in October. Certainly hope so. Sorry, I'll just a uh, little uh, remark from me uh, that uh, Petrakov is 64 and uh, Fomenko, who previously beat France at Olympiski in 2013 2-0, was, sorry, at that time uh, 65 years old. And you could compare their emotions back then as we knew Grandpa Fomenko is never a part, was never a part of the game. And you just compare him to Petrico. I mean, the, the, the biggest you could get, like, uh, you could give Petrico is like 49, I don't know. And uh, for Shuchenko, I should say that he, he him, himself, he called a, a national team a project for him. So with Petrico, you could clearly see that it's now a people's team. Obviously, straight after that game, Petrikov came out and said Shakhtar requested the 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 three senior players. Was it Piatov, Stepanenko, and Matvienko returned back to the squad to to help prepare for the Champions League? And he said, "I don't want to be called biased anyway, so I'm going to release three Dinamo players as well." I mean, guy, what's your take on that? I mean, now you know me; I'm very pro sort of. Play, playing the youngsters and you know from a personal point of view I think it's brilliant that so many of the under 20s have been given a chance uh, but you know, should he have used the Czech Republic game to have played his strongest team and given the fact that as we've said Ukraine are on this record-breaking draw run of like feels like a million draws in a row. Uh, just thank God the Kazakhstan game broke the 1-1 monotony. But should he have played his strongest team last night from the start and tried to have gone for the win to get, you know, to sort of to prove that they can win a game that isn't involved in match tournaments going into this important week coming up in October? Essentially. We paused this for an announcement from <laughs> Czech Airboard. <laughs> Basically, Petrikov, prior to the match, in the press conference that me and Irena were at, he said winning this match against the Czech Republic was vital for the psychology of the team going into the next window. But taking that into account, and you look at the squad that was left over, six without six senior players, and you had a few injuries and a few players missing, how much of that 
win would have been positive for the players that didn't turn up themselves as well. Do you know what I mean? Because they weren't part of the collective. They were even holiday, like Stepanenko went to Paris. Piatov went to Turkey or somewhere like that. So in general, I agree with what you're saying. It would have been good to field like a full strength team, get a positive win, and then just know exactly where Ukraine are going next month. Which Finland, maybe Finland and Czech Republic aren't that too dissimilar in mm-hmm. terms of, you know, their style and setup. It, it could have worked, but, you know, at the end of the day, it's a friendly and clubs are never going to take that as seriously as World Cup qualifiers. Shakhtar are like really desperate to do well in the Champions League this season. So it sort of makes a bit of sense. I think the leeway was always that Shevchenko got a lot of um, bonuses for the national team when he was theirs in. He could carry over match days and all that kind of thing. Looks like that role is reversing this time with the clubs getting a bit more power now because Petrokov is so much less influential in the grand scheme of things at the UAF. Although, after yesterday's match, in the press conference, in response to one of my questions, he said that the team are going to be linking up about five days before mm-hmm. the Finland game. So that's positive in itself. Hopefully they can instill a bit more philosophy of Petrikov that he hates talking about. Maybe a bit how to play three at the back more concisely and how to play on the counter. We'll see. But in general... It was a weird one, but I think good that all these players, all these youngsters got a bit of senior experience and played against the Czech Republic team. Yeah, they got the draw in the last minute, but overall, they were playing rather solidly throughout the game. Other than Edward Sobel, who is not a centre-back, playing at left centre-back. He's also not one of the youngsters as well. He's definitely in the reserve category, as was uh, Mr Boyko in goal. As as well there. But say, uh, talking about these youngsters, though, I mean, which ones have really impressed? I've got a few in mind myself, but uh, Irina, are are there any of the the youngsters that have, you know, sort of really impressed you over the last week who you think perhaps are now pushing for a a start in the first team? Or is there anyone else as well who, from the reserves, who has sort of stepped up over the last week and you've said, okay, I really want to see them start? Very good question. If I would have a, an exclusive interview in with Petrakov, I will ask <laughs> Alexander Vasilievich <laughs> what about go. young players. <laughs> well, to be honestly, I uh, would like to mark uh, Viktor Kurnienko, not only because he scored goal, but he was like he was very confident in in his game like it was a lot of debutants like five new guys for the whole game it's like a great number it's like most like it's a half of the team and they uh, played quite well it was not like you know uh, three goals a lot of mistakes of course uh, the game wasn't maybe a uh, very sexy, like players want, like fans wants to see, because I read a lot of comments on our website that we don't want to see such a football. Uh, we want to see attacking football. But like, come on, in this period, in this situation, I think we need perhaps think more about the result, not about the beauty of the game, because you really want to go to the World Cup or you just want to see a beautiful game. (laughs) Uh, For sure, I would like to go to the World Cup. (laughs) In England, people have been debating this quite fiercely. 
the English team got, got to the semi-final in 2018, got to the final in 2021. And a lot of people, a bit like with Ukraine, are calling Gareth Southgate one of the worst managers in the history of English football purely because of the style of football he plays. But you look at the results. You know, it's like, it's like everything in, in real life. You cannot be uh, handsome and uh, smart. Usually you're or, or handsome <laughs> looking good. So like, it's very, not very often you have both what you want, a beautiful mm-hmm. game and a good result. Mm-hmm. So guys, let's do live real life. In this situation, we have such a game. And but of course would be great maybe uh, for this team. I hope to see that in the next games to have Plan B anyway. If something goes wrong, it has some problems, disqualification, injuries, uh, or the game. It's not like we want. Uh, it's always nice to have some Plan B to be flexible on the field and uh, to play different like tactics. But like we'll, we'll see we'll see what happens mm-hmm. in the next but what i also like that uh, petrakov if the player is not in a good shape even if his surname like malinovsky for example <laughs> he would put him on the bench mm-hmm. and will give the opportunity to give chance for the players from like zoria to young players from just to young players who have not a lot of experience who has not a, such a big name and don't play in Atalanta or Manchester City, but he likes to, it's some 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 kind of risk, but it's like, I like this. I mean, talking about Kornienko, do you think Kornienko's position is on the threat for October? No, I don't think, uh, it's look like Petrakov will put on the game uh, the guys who will be in the better shape. Mm-hmm. So the next month we will see who are, who is more confident, who has better condition like physical like uh, men- mental and who will at least i believe that uh, who deserves more to play then we'll we'll see that on the game of course <laughs> if to see on the if clubs that mccollumco have more chance to play in the first squad and have more chance to to anyway he will be favorite for this position mm-hmm. but at least now we have con- we have two players or even more players on this position and every position and now it will be like like every coach is uh, say in the football we have two guys for positions we have a- yeah we've two people competing for the same spot looking over on the other side of the fence there as you mentioned earlier ray uh, Karavayev was dropped after the Kazakhstan game. Obviously, the two mistakes there for the goals. Do you see his position on the threat at all, given the way Timchuk performed uh, in the last two matches? Yeah, Timchuk did really well, and he deserved it. It was a long time coming for him. However, you know, you mentioned England playing their style of football, and I was uh, very impressed the way they played in the final. And before, if you if you look real closely, well, as you surely did, Adam. And uh, maybe the rest of our listeners as well noticed that that England used throw-ins. England used uh, the strikers who dropped really, really deep back into the defense just to guard the ball and let uh, Luke Shaw, who scored, uh, I think he was the one who scored in the final against Italy mm-hmm. very early in the game. He was the key player of that team and he was a uh, wingback who we are discussing right now, uh, Karavaev, Timchik, uh, Kornienko, Mikolenko. So this, I, th- I think that Petrakov has also watched those games during Euros. And after all, he was a World Cup champ- uh, world champion of uh, under-20s. 
and he knows something about football, you know, I hope so. I really do hope so. And I think, I believe, I think Tim Chick should stay and I believe in uh, these tactics he carries on with. But I really doubt that he has a plan B right at the moment. <laughs> he still needs his philosophy be polished a little bit. Fair enough. There's a, one one guy I'm, I'm personally a little bit concerned about. I'd like Andrew's opinion on uh, Ilya Zabani. There's a couple of mistakes coming into his game is just maybe a... As he plateaued a little bit at the moment, I, he, he, from where I was watching, he looked a little bit weak in the Kazakh game. Obviously, missed the glorious chance in the French game as well. Do, do you see? He, does he need to be just sort of moved out of the spotlight for a little bit, given how young he is, given a bit of time away? Yeah, he wasn't the best in Kazakhstan, that's for sure. But I think he had a great game against France. I'm not gonna lie, he was like driving out the back playing out these like balls out wide to McCollincourt, who didn't do too much with them. But overall, I was really impressed with him, sort of the mature performance that he put out there against the French team almost a year since he made his debut in the 7-1 loss. So there's development on that side for sure. He has to carry on playing if he wants to carry on developing. I think he's certainly in Petrikov's plans. I know that Petrikov prefers the likes of Popov, Bondar, the players that he played in the under-20s. And I think once both of those are fit, they'll eventually come in. But whether Petrikov will be around for when either of those are going to be fit is a different question. He's got to work with what he's got. It's The next month is key, as he's already mentioned, as everyone else has already mentioned. And I think he's not going to stray too far away from his own principles and even Shevchenko's team of how they played. If we look over the three games, who's who is each of you? Who is your star player? Is the one player who really stood out for you over those three games? For me, I have to say Shaparenko. From I, I think he's gone from being a a substitute to a to a must start almost in in the national team. I I was surprised that no one came in for him during the August window, but maybe that's something more to do with Dinamo uh, transfer policy than Shaparenko's footballing ability. But he really the goal was just sort of the icing on the cake for what I think is becoming a talented midfielder. Ray, uh, you're nodding along with me. Do you agree? Was he your standout or did anyone else sort of catch your eye? Yeah, Shaparenko really did well uh, during those games. Uh, but you know, Adam, I, I would like to rephrase your question a bit because uh, I would like to go from the opposite side as uh, whom I was not impressed with during this spell. And those two are definitely Zinchenko and Malinovsky. We know that Malinovsky was offended by Petrikov's choice to drop him from the squad. And I don't know, maybe he thinks as he plays with Gas- Gasparini, he's now new Frank Lampard, but that's not appropriate. I mean, same with Zinchenko. You could tell his, how emotional he got during those three games. Even with Czech, first minute, sliding tackle, yellow cards, and going into battle with the Czech players. Uh, with Kazakhstan game, he picked up a yellow, missed, was, was suspended for the France, missed the game. And you could, uh, the cameras showed him during the broadcast in Kiev, and uh, he was acting as if he was like Konoplanka from uh, five years ago at Dnipro, like he's uh, the man of the man of the bench <laughs> or the assistant coach. Uh, too emotional, too much uh, 
exposure and uh, he should be careful with that. I, I'm, maybe they, uh, they're afraid that their place are not set in stone anymore. I mean, the place in the squad. I really hope that this clash of interests wouldn't affect the dressing room, as we know that uh, the older players support Petrakov and himself. Uh, we know he is good with youngsters, and that's probably some of the some of his characteristics which he needs to. Um, he, he would never change. We know that, and this is something we should be expecting more of. And uh, keep a really keep our eyes really peeled. Andrew, now as you mentioned earlier, we have to discuss what's coming up now, next month. What do you hope to see? How would you like to see Petrov approach these games? Probably a bit more proactively, because as we saw against Kazakhstan, France, and even Czech Republic, it was a bit of a reserved play, trying to play on the counter on the break, not control the match so much, allow a lot of chances from the opposition, especially in that Czech Republic game, where Boyko's goal was leading a charm life. I actually don't know how they didn't score at least three of their chances. But hopefully, in a more of an official match, the defence will be a bit more strict with themselves and composed compared to mm-hmm. whatever that was last night in the friendly. As Petrokov has said himself, Ukraine can't afford to drop any more points now. If they do, it's out of their hands, really, and they need to expect the other teams to slip up themselves. The reality of the situation is, is that Ukraine still can qualify in second place if they draw their remaining matches. They just need other results to go their way. And for a bit of me, kind of wants that to happen because that will never happen ever again. <laughs> draws in the group stage. Imagine that. And Ukraine somehow make it through to the playoffs. That would be immense. That would actually be my ideal scenario. It would leave the heart racing, of course, until the very last day against Bosnia away. But if I was guaranteed that to happen, then sure, go for it. And then the playoffs properly in Finland, they can get a victory and then it will just set them up for a big match against Bosnia where in Lviv, which obviously is positive because Ukraine have never lost there. So at least a draw is guaranteed in that one minimum. Another thing actually is the fact that there's only two matches next month and the month after too there'll be a friendly against Bulgaria in November before that Bosnia away match so in general it's a bit of a less intense atmosphere like no triple headers there's not going to be people leaving midway through camp and all that kind of thing unless they're actually injured so uh, looking forward to what will be a do or die scenario mm-hmm. for Petrokov and Zbivna. You were talking about Finland here and I all due respect to Finland, I watched them in the Euros. They, they weren't very good. You know, I might be sort of deaf to me here with, with those words, but I, I wasn't overly impressed, and I wasn't overly impressed with them when they came to Kiev in, uh, when was it, in March? It was, it was a, a poor mistake that got them their goal, and they really were sort of going to be a solid defence and trying to grab a goal on the counter-attack almost at Kazakhstan's level. Really don't think we should be expecting to win and, and win both games. Six points should be... We were talking about minimum of four points from the two games against Kazakhstan and France, but surely six points from these two games should be expected, Irina. It would be the best of the best scenario for these games, you know? I've... 
I keep my finger crossed. I will go for these games in a T-shirt of a national team. I never do that, but for this time, I for sure will do that. And I will be not like a journalist. I will be like a fan, like, please score and win these games. Because I really have a passion for this team, for this coach, for these players, and I really want to see this fairy tale, how we start, and now we, like, make a heroic games and, like, take this second place <laughs> in the group but it will be very difficult because it looks like for this team it's easier to play against France because on like on a contra-attacks from the defensive but when we will play against the the teams that we on the same level it would be situations that we need to attack we need to score but <laughs> as we saw against the Czech Republic Ukraine sometimes some period of games like likes to play from their own the, on the uh, on their side of the net of the gate of the nets and uh, it will be not easy really it i afraid of these games i'm really worried for finland for bosnia because it it would be like valid all games <laughs> when it will be hard attacking in with people mm-hmm. right I do say this slightly tongue-in-cheek, but what do you think the chances of uh, Mikhailo Mudrik getting the winner in in one of these games on his debut for the national team? Yeah, I would say that uh, he would need to play the ball backwards in, in order to score a goal, you know, like he always do. <laughs> but yeah, that would be a lovely thing to see. He doesn't fit in Petrikov formation, that's for sure, if, unless he plays on the flank. So, yeah, uh, these two games are going to show our true level and potential. Well, no, it's, it's not going to show us the potential of this team. As we know that uh, for Petrakov, it's only the beginning. And for this generation of players, I think it's probably one of the crucial opportunities to play in the biggest uh, world tournament of their lives. So um, we should fight. And... Uh, it's not about frogs anymore. Oh, no, no, definitely. I mean, what a great way to finish there. It's no longer about the frogs. Well, that's it anyway for today. Irina, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate your insight every time you're on the show. So thanks a lot for everything. For people who are new to the show today, where would be the best place for them to follow your work? Thank you very much, Adam, again, for your invitation to the podcast. I'm Really enjoy that and happy to share my uh, poor thoughts about Ukrainian football with, uh, <laughs> with such a big community. Please like follow my Twitter or Facebook or Instagram. And But most of all, please read my articles and articles of my colleagues on the Tribune website because we really try hard to make a good content, good, interesting, to write interesting text. But would happy just to have any feedback and we're really happy when people uh, read comment and help us to to be better i know there are three of us here that really appreciate your work and we really thank you for the wonderful articles you wrote about our trip in particular <laughs> they were they were absolutely i really enjoyed it really enjoyed thank you for sharing all these great stories from your thank trip you. thank you thank you uh, Andrew, Mr. Professional, as always, dropping in on your on your journey home. Uh, 
for our, for our new listeners, mate, where would be the best place for them to catch up with your work? You can find me on Zorilondonsk on Instagram and Twitter. And uh, we've got a YouTube channel now, Ukraine Plus Football YouTube channel. And there's a first ever away day vlog has just been posted on that. So please do give it a watch and watch past the poor editing first go. But we're going to be coming up with new content, live streams and all that kind of jazz in the upcoming months. It's exciting, people. It certainly is. And Ray, mate, great to have you with us again today. Thanks for all the wonderful insight. And for new listeners, where's the best place for them to follow you? It's always a pleasure, Adam. And hey, just when I thought that the biggest uh, video of the week is uh, the new trailer of Matrix, Andrew comes along with the vlog. <laughs> oh, man. Can't be any more exciting. All right, then. My Instagram page is Rayvik. Yeah. As always. And you're Nicole, so I'm Adam at Ukrafot24. You can follow me across all the social medias. But till next time, everyone, take care, stay safe. And this has been another great episode for Ukraine Plus Football Podcast. Goodbye for now. His head, his head, his head, his head, his head.